Welcome back to the Connecting Minds podcast. Christian Yordanov here. Today we have Nick Heath on the podcast. And a um, little bit about Nick. He's a PhD in atmospheric science, published in major scientific journals, recipient of uh, a NASA fellowship and research grants. He has a website, thebreathingdiabetic.com, where he talks about all things breathing as it relates to um, helping to improve the quality of life of folks with diabetes. He's an Oxygen Advantage Advanced Instructor, Level 1 Pranayama Instructor, member of the Global Wellness Institute's Breathe Initiative. And in case you are not convinced that this man is serious about breathing, he also walked 100 miles miles wearing a 20-pound backpack to raise breathing awareness. Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. Amazing. Thank you, Christian. I appreciate that that kind introduction. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to our mutual friend, Kathleen, for making the introduction. Yes. Thank you, Kathleen. You're awesome. Uh, can, you tell, yeah, t- can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, man? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned some of it. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a type 1 diabetic, which is the whole breathing diabetic thing. Um, uh, several years ago, I discovered breathing. So I started with some of the breathing stuff with Wim Hof, like a lot of people get interested in breathing. And from there, it kind of opened my mind to the idea that breathing could be helpful. And it wasn't until I uh, was introduced to Patrick McCune and his work with the Oxygen Advantage that it kind of clicked for me. I started like taping my mouth, doing some of the the lessened breathing. I also at that point got into kind of slower breathing and breath holds. And over time, I noticed that my blood sugars were getting better and really just my quality of life. Like I just felt better. I had more energy and I was, if anything, more resilient to diabetic stressors and things like that. And I wanted to understand what the, what was going on. And so you mentioned my background. I'm a, my PhD is in atmospheric science, meteorology to be specific. And so I was always kind of on the side in my professional life doing all this research and reading papers and stuff. And so even though I'm not a pulmonologist or anything, or, you know, a lung doctor, I decided, I just want to see what's going on. Are there papers? Is there any research showing this stuff works? And then sure enough, you know, I found tons of papers, some specifically for diabetes, and then just tons of other ones for health and complications associated with diabetes, all these different things. And I felt like an obligation to share the information, uh, put it out there. And that's what started the breathing diabetic. So, um, yeah, I've been studying air my whole life and it wasn't until I found breathing though, that I made that (laughs) connection to like, oh, this air comes into me and has profound effects. And, uh, essentially just now I'm, I'm obsessed with, with all things breathing. I don't, I I talk about diabetes a lot, but I'm also just kind of like, I've, I just, I'm really like interested in breathing in all aspects of our life, spirituality, just mental health, all these different things that, you know, the breath can be used for. So, yeah. Yeah, man, like it's so, it's not sexy until I guess, I suppose guys like Ben Greenfield, Dave Asprey, you know, these awesome guys had um, Patrick on their podcast. And I'm sure, you know, he was pretty, you know, famous before that and stuff. But uh, those guys are making it sexy, which is great because that influences us. And it's, it's amazing the the uh the far ranging benefits of, of improving one's breath actually let's let's actually just take a couple of steps back i had patrick on the podcast uh, a couple of years ago 
But uh, just for folks that are new to this type of stuff, let's talk a little bit about what, how are we as a society breathing uh, dysfunctionally at the moment, for starters? Sure. So, of course, not every single person, but for the, a majority of us are, are chronic over breathers, meaning we simply just breathe more than our metabolic needs. So it's not, uh, it doesn't have to look like a panic attack or some huge huffing and puffing. But in general, uh, it's, uh, you know, the analogy most books make is sort of like, you know, we've become a world of over eaters and now we're a world of over breathers. We just breathe more than our bodies actually need. And so that can actually have really profound and detrimental health impacts because when we breathe, we inhale oxygen, obviously, and we exhale carbon dioxide. And it turns out that carbon dioxide is really important to our overall health and wellness. So by breathing too much, we're exhaling too much carbon dioxide, and that can have negative effects for things like blood flow and most importantly, oxygen delivery. So we need carbon dioxide in the blood to actually loosen the bond between oxygen and hemoglobin, which will then help with oxygen delivery to the cells. So it gets a little, you know, complex and stuff. But but the big thing is uh, mainly that we're breathing too much. And then the biggest one uh, is mouth breathing. So a lot of us breathe through our mouths just because we've never been told any different, right? That's what yeah. I, I was a chronic mouth yeah. breather. It wasn't that I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I just didn't know. I just yeah. thought, breathe, it's easier through my mouth. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> and so that can have really bad impacts just because your nose is so good for your breath. So your nose is is good for warming and humidifying, for slowing down your breathing rate, for filtering out particles, and then for ultimately getting more oxygen in because it, yeah, there's, it gets complicated, but you know, it harnesses a gas called nitric oxide. And yeah. so that's going to help with oxygen uptake in the lungs. Um, and that's going to help with basically everything downstream of with each breath you take. So, you know, a big problem is that so many of us are over breathing and then mouth breathing, and that's putting us into a chronic state of stress. It, it tricks your body into thinking, oh, we're stressed out because we're, we're breathing heavier, we're breathing faster, and that tells your body something's wrong, and then we're not making up for it with f physical activity. And then that basically sets off a cascade of bad things that, you know, for each person is different. That's what's really interesting about the whole breathing aspect is because breathing impacts everything, right? N no bodily function can occur without breathing. So when you do something wrong, for me, it was really bad energy levels and really bad sleep and, you know, poor blood sugar control. But for someone else, it might be something completely different with that you would not even, you know, might not even seem obvious at first. So there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Um, and that's why it becomes complicated, but it's also why it's such a simple thing to, to start with. If you're on a health journey or whatever, it might be a performance journey is starting with the breath because that's going to help bring everything back into, into line and then working on nutrition and furthering your sleep and all that stuff. So. That's yeah, kind of the, the way it works that from what from my perspective, yeah. Of course, I, I um when I'm when I'm asked uh, what's the most important thing, I always say food and water. You know, uh, extremely well purified water and uh, a pristine, di ideally a pristine diet that's organically grown and whatnot. But I, I should I should be saying your breath is the first thing. But again. It's it's something we overlook so much. But uh, can you? Uh, so you first started 
with the stuff with Wim Hof. Can you tell us how does how does okay? First of all, what are the benefits of Wim Hof breathing? But are there potential drawbacks, and how does it differ to the the right way to breathe? Let's just say. Sure. So. Wim Hof's method for in general is about 30 to 40 big breaths. So there's no set speed there. You know, it's each person goes at their own pace, but you breathe fully in, you know, you, you know, he says sometimes belly, chest, head. So you're expanding your belly, then your chest, then feeling the air going to your head, you know, just kind of visualization. And you do that 30 or 40 times and then you exhale and then you hold your breath for as long as you can comfortably you know it's up to the person there's no set time then you inhale and hold for about another 10 or 15 seconds and that's one round and then you do it over you know three or four rounds and he suggests first thing in the morning there's actually good reason for that but in any case the it's an interesting technique because what you're doing is you're extremely stressing your body like okay. you're putting your body into this extraordinary state of stress. You're mm -hmm. hyperventilating, which is a stressor. Then you're holding your breath, which is a stressor. And because you're hyperventilating, you can hold your breath even longer beforehand because you're blowing off all this carbon dioxide. And then that will allow your blood oxygen to drop really low, which is then another crazy stressor. And so, the, you know, they measured it in, in the famous study. And, and Wim says this, you know, basically every time he talks about it, you know, that the adrenaline levels of people practicing his method were higher than those who were going bungee jumping for their first time. Um, and that was in a, you know, in the proceedings of the national Academy of sciences, they have that sentence. So Mama mia. it's pretty crazy. So yeah, you get this big stressor, but it turns out that acute stressors are good for you in short bursts. So what we've been talking about, like chronic over breathing and things that will put your body into a chronic state of stress. Those are, we all know those are bad, right? just bad for everything. But if you do these really short, short bursts of stress, it actually does these really interesting things because your body goes into protective mode. It says, Ooh, you're about, you must be getting infected with a virus. So you must be running from a tiger or there must be something about to hurt you. So it like, you know, it releases all these anti-inflammatory cytokines and helps with immune function and things like that in preparation. And so what WIMS method does is it harnesses this uh, kind of, you know, luckily or maybe there was it was more premeditated than we think you know he says he just kind of came up with it so if, if that's the case then you know he, he got very fortunate or in great intuition but he's essentially utilizing things that different branches of science have known like it's called like psychoendocrinology or something there's this long and they've looked at this like if short-term acute stress is really good for your body it's just the chronic stuff that's bad and so in any case that's what WIM does. It puts you in this short-term stressor, releases all these anti-inflammatory cytokines, these things that help with, with your immune system. And then because it's so stressful afterward, it's super relaxing. So you just kind of goes, you kind of zen out at the end, you know, you just kind of lay there. It's nice. And for a lot of people that they find it helpful for the quality of life, you know, they feel less anxious, less stressed. So when you explain it like that, it sounds basically like amazing <laughs> rosies and, you know, <laughs> unicorns and rainbows and we're, we're good to go. But of course, everything has risks. And, you know, so for certain people, the Wim Hof method isn't, you know, applicable. And, and he addresses this things with cardiovascular problems and stuff like that. It might be too much of a stressor. And for me, the problem was, is I started habitually mouth breathing from it. 
So it's not that he advised that. It was just that because I was going doing these big breaths when I'd be out at work or anywhere, I'd be like, oh, that's what I need to be doing. These, you know, these big breaths anytime and, and over time, that's going to have a really tax because it's, it's a stressor, like we just said. And so if you're doing that all the time, you're going to basically turn into a chronic over breather and lots of stress. Yeah. yeah. So just because like everywhere I've gone to whatever type of um, activity, they talk about these deep, big breaths, as, as, as you call them. Is there ever value in a big breath or like in breathing out through the mouth, would you say? Yeah, of course. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm very agnostic to all the breathing methods now. I think there's a place for all of them. So I do think there's a place for Wim Hof. And the, the interesting thing about big breathing is that from a biochemical, you know, biochemistry perspective, it's, it's bad because you're offloading too much carbon dioxide. But there's other things like, so if we, so let's say you're breathing slowly, deeply, and actually a little bit bigger. So probably more than Patrick would like, but he would probably let it go. You know, you're actually, uh, when you fill your lungs up, you're activating stretch receptors in your lungs. And this actually has a really potent effect of activating the, the calming branch of the nervous system, the parasympathetic mm -hmm. nervous system. And so by slowly expanding your lungs and stretching them out, it sends these signals that say, oh, we need to, we need to relax and, hmm. and bring that back. And so you can actually activate the parasympathetic nervous system pretty strong through big breaths. And then with the mouth, so, so, so that's one, I guess I want to be clear that like, you wouldn't want that to be your all day, everyday breathing. But when you sure. sit down, if someone says, Hey, take a, a couple deep breaths and you do it and you feel more relaxed, that's probably why. But if you did it for like 45 minutes straight, you would be, you know, you'd probably throw off your chemistry so bad that it would negate all the benefits. So there are slow, deep, big breaths. There's a place for those. And then as far as the the out through the mouth idea that is a big controversy i feel like in all the breathing techniques like which so in general if you're doing like a slow breathing practice let's say you're sitting down and you're going to just like you know focus on breathing at about six breaths per minute and for 20 minutes breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth can be really relaxing so that's generally what most clinicians have patients do because people find it more relaxing and they find it easier if they're new to slow breathing to ex to control their exhale through their mouth, like through pursed lips, rather than trying to control it through their nose. The problem with mouth bre breathing out through your mouth is, again, you, you have the risk of offloading too much carbon dioxide, and you also have the risk of dehydrating yourself because you lose a lot more water out of your mouth. And so again, it's kind of compromised. You get a little bit more relaxation effect, but you might be messing up your hydration a little bit. And so everything comes with a little, uh, you know, a little trade-off, but in general doing it for, you know, 20 minutes, even like if you did two 20 minute sessions where you were in through the nose, out through your mouth, it probably is just going to be relaxing and beneficial overall. So, um, that's kind of my, that's how I look at it. And then your everyday breathing always in and out through the nose, you know, as, mu yeah. as much as you can in and out through the nose. Yeah, I remember when I was training with um with Patrick when we went up to Galway for like seven days with him for the Boteco practitioner certification that I did. <clears throat> he was saying that he used to 
sort of advocate for suppressing like yawns and stuff. And you know, it's like some people sigh every once in a while, <sighs> you know, mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. And then he, he would kind of, <clears throat> he would advise them to suppress the yawn. But when we were talking about it, he actually said that it, a yawn or, um, um, like for example, my dog, when she is nervous, she yawns. It's a mechanism to release tension, similar to a sigh. So, um, he was more, uh, I suppose this was back in 2018. Of course, things may have changed for him since, you know, the last five years, but, um, it's, it's, so you're kind of allowed to yawn or sigh if you, if it comes without suppressing it to release that bit of tension, but it's about restabilizing, renormalizing to to the correct way of breathing. That's how I've kind of understood it. And uh, you were talking about psych I think it's psychoneuro endocrinology. Endocrinology or, so. or something. Psychoneuro immuno endocrinology. Yeah, that's oh, it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> and uh <laughs> I think that there there was one guy uh, I read his book, he's a MD doctor. Um <clears throat> he studied he studied with like the ayahuasqueros in the Amazon there with ayahuasca. And he was talking about psychoneuro uh, uh, blah, 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 knowledge. And uh, uh, it, when people were on the ayahuasca sort of uh, journey, they, they released tension through t- uh, tears, uh, you know, purging, etc. But also through a lot of you know, sigh a lot. So I suppose there is something to be said for, for letting that happen if it needs to. But um, mm-hmm. getting back to you know the most of the time how can you just give uh, folks listening what is the best way to breathe what is the correct way to breathe well again that's a trick question because in each situation it's slightly different right so um but in general in and out through the nose calm relax you know not into your belly always you know but like your lower ribs should be moving indicating you know just slightly or, or or maybe barely even noticeable at all you know just indicating simple subtle breathing diaphragmatic activation S- often a little paused here and there on the exhale or um even maybe at the top of the inhale but in general you know maybe a slight pause at the top of the exhale and pretty, pretty unnoticeable most of the time, you know, quiet. Uh, that That's my, my two biggest tips I give people are in and out through the nose and quiet. Because if you don't hear your breath and it's in and out through your nose, you can be pretty confident you're breathing pretty gently, pretty subtly, and, uh, and, and pretty good. But otherwise, you know, a little bit of belly activation, paused on the exhale. Those are some of the things that uh, Patrick advises too. Yeah, and there's plenty of resources, of course, on that Patrick and and you have, uh, you know, we have all the links to the Boteco Clinic, Oxygen Advantage, all oh, yeah, yeah. your way. So, so folks can actually go online. You can get the books. Uh, you know, you have a course. The exercises are quite simple. Um, but before we we can discuss them a little bit. But before we do that, can you just because obviously you you you've done quite a bit of research into this. What are some of the health issues that uh, diabetics suffer from and how does improving their breathing uh, help to address some of them? Sure. Yeah. There's tons of ways we could look at it. The way I usually introduce it is first looking at, you know, autonomic function. So the functioning of your nervous system. And that is a, a big place where people with diabetes have 
complications. So they're they're more in a chronic state of stress because our blood sugars fluctuate, the emotional roller coaster of having diabetes. Uh, we we don't get enough oxygen typically to our cells because of all the inflammation and oxidative stress and free radicals and all those different things. And so when you just take a you know a few minutes each day to do some slow breathing, you activate the parasympathetic nervous system, and this this kind of reverses some of those trends. So the easiest one is heart rate variability because they measure that a lot now, and there's tons and stu- tons and tons of studies basically showing the efficacy for for slow breathing to help there. So when they look at people with diabetes, they take a population of you know, age match controls and things like that, they find the people with diabetes generally have lower heart rate variability. uh, And that generally means that their cardio autonomic function isn't as great, you know, it's it's reduced. And typically, that's due to overactivation of the sympathetic nervous system. So we're in a chronic state of stress is how it's usually interpreted. And then they can take those same people And then just say, okay, we're going to have you breathe at six breaths per minute for a few minutes, and we're going to measure your heart rate variability. And and there's other ways of looking at it, but that's the easiest one. And so they'll do that, and they'll they'll show, oh, okay, after just a few minutes, you increased your heart rate variability to to baselines of people who don't have diabetes. So like it kind of shows that a lot of this is nervous system driven, that Mm -hmm. we still have the capability to get our heart rate variability up to, to normal levels. It's just that we're constantly being stressed. And so with training every day, you know, you can gradually increase your heart rate variability, which is just a marker saying, Hey, your, your overall cardiovascular and autonomic nervous systems are functioning a little bit better. So that's a big one. Also blood pressure. So people with diabetes, we have uh, way higher, likely, I can't remember the exact percentage now, but you know, I think it's upwards of like 40% of people with diabetes develop hypertension. And so if uh, slow breathing consistently, that's one thing that you, you can see all over the place, like 10, 15, 20 minutes a day of slow breathing consistently reduces blood pressure um, down, you know, at least like five to six millimeters of mercury, uh, you know, on, on the systolic number, the top number, then the bottom number, it's, it's a little bit different, usually between like two and six, I think is about what I've seen. So not massive, you know, life-changing numbers, but enough, it could be, you know, that threshold or, you know, just a, a complement to something else you're doing to help reduce your blood pressure. And, and so that's a, a big one. And then the, really, to me, the biggest benefit of all of the breathing stuff for diabetes is the emotional side. So, um, which is interesting because I kind of never cared about this side. And it wasn't until more recently, to be honest, that like, I've realized if of all the things that's been the biggest benefit and it was unintentional. Like even when I got in all the research and I was doing all this stuff, like I still didn't realize the whole time that like it's been my mindset, my emotional, you know, more stability with my emotions that have been super powerful. And so there's all sorts of research now showing like the way you breathe influences your emotional state and it's tied to your nervous system. It's tied to your amygdala. It's tied to the hyperpolarization of neurons and all this crazy stuff basically making uh, neurons in certain part of your brain less excitable so that you don't get as stressed as easy and things like that. And so by breathing every day, becoming a consistent practice, it's sort of like practicing philosophy or something because you you find that you're less reactive in situations. You Things happen and you you pause before you do something. You think about it before you make these reactions. And to me, that was a gradual thing. So I, I can't say it's an overnight change, but 
I think that's the biggest benefit for people with diabetes because we have, I think, I mean, it's like insane, the, the levels of stress, anxiety, and depression in the diabetic population. They call it diabetic distress because, you know, I, I've, I've gotten, I feel pretty fortunate to have diabetes, to be honest. Like, I don't think of it too much of a burden. There's things I hate about it, but I feel like it could be a lot worse and things like that. But it's a, it's a lot of work, like 24 seven, you're always doing something prescriptions, insulin, do you have your supplies? Why is my blood sugar high? Why is it low? Why is it, you know, there's never like a second off. And so you can get burnt out really quickly. And so, you know, now countless studies have shown that a breathing practice is such a simple and possibly one of like the most effective ways to reduce stress and anxiety and depression and things like that. And so over time, breathing, doing these breathing practices is going to help with the emotional side of diabetes so that you know, I still get mad at things, but like when my prescriptions aren't ready because my insurance, there's an issue or my doc, and it's like, there's always something, right? And it's like, I have more time to sit back and say, okay, it's all right. Take a breath. Like, let's see what's going to happen. And it always works out. Things always work out. And, uh, you know, it's, there's no way to measure that. There's no way for me to tell you exactly what, how breathing did that, but I know it did because I used to get freaked out and all these things. So, so I think the emotional side is where most people would see the benefits, just having peace of mind with diabetes and having a little bit more emotional uh, flexibility and, and able to come back quicker if you do freak out and things like that. Love that, man. Yeah. Yeah, my my uh, my wife was having a lot of sleep problems last year after we had the, the our daughter and um, it was literally her her nervous system got discombobulated because of all the nighttime feedings and putting the baby to sleep. And so um, she would have occasionally like bouts of sort of, she'd start hyperventilating. Mm. And I would try to like tell her, you know, just please force yourself to breathe through the nose because you can see just just this chronic uh, not chronic but like this um acute hyperventilation how it raises your your um your blood uh, your heart rate your blood pressure just it can lead to like lead you to a pretty bad place and she started doing more and more breath work type exercises and over months she she definitely her her, her sleep is improving and she definitely seems like uh, she's more centered and stuff like that. It's literally, and w what you were saying, it's like a f philosophical. It is when, when you think about it, meditation. It's uh, like a, a, it's most sort of simple and basic form. Meditation is about just focusing on 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 the breath. It's not about clearing your mind. It's not about not thinking. By f uh, focusing your attention on the breath, s thoughts tend to subside. So I suppose. That is like a long-term benefit that is quite difficult to quantify, but I'm sure I'm sure research has been done on meditators. And when you think about meditation, if you're doing it in that specific way, where it's not like a guided meditation, that's literally what you're doing is you're focusing on your breath. And when you focus on your breath, it will tend to actually come to some type of slower uh, cadence, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, the body itself knows, like if I look at my baby or even my dog, like these are unencumbered by the psychological, you know, impediments that we have in our heads. And they, in their normal state, like when they're sleeping, they breathe really, really well. 
<laughs> you know, it's it's quite amazing. Like nature, shit, nature knows what she's doing. It's amazing. Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it, right? <laughs> can you talk to us a little bit? What's the, and maybe we can circle back a little bit to the HRV thing. Can you tell folks what's the link? And first of all, what is the vagus nerve and vagal tone? What's the link between that HRV and uh, sort of inflammation or oxidative stress? Can you like paint the picture for us? Sure. So the vagus nerve basically connects our brain with tons of our organs. And and one of them, you know, it's the lungs and the diaphragm, the heart and things like that. And so when we breathe slowly and deeply, we, I guess I should step back and say one of the interesting things about the vagus nerve is that it, it's relaying information back to the brain. So there's like a lot of top-down things. Like if you feel stress, you think something, and then that sends a signal and the rest of your body, you know, reacts to it. And you see it with sweaty hands or whatever it might be because you're thinking something. But what the vagus nerve is doing is it's about 80-20 bringing stuff back. So about 80% is checking out what's going on in your organs and then sending messages back to the brain. And then those get retransmitted back to the rest of the body. So when you do something like slow breathing, one of the ways it works is by basically sending signals via the vagus nerve to the brain that say, hey, all is good. We're, we're safe. Like we're breathing calm. We're, we Everything's good. And this then transmits back into a more overall calm emotional state. So, but, but to, the link to heart rate variability is that so when we breathe slowly during each breath we take, there's during the inhalation, the vagus nerve withdraws a little bit. So we get we get a little bit more sympathetic fight or flight action. And then generally during the exhalation, the vagus nerve turns back on. They call it the vagal break, which slows down the heart rate, reduces blood pressure. And so with each breath by breath motion, we're uh, basically turning off the vagus nerve during inhale, turning it back on during exhale, turning it on, turning it off. And when you sit and breathe really slowly, Uh, And especially if you spend a little bit more time on the exhale, it just generally increases the activity of the vagus nerve. And so we measure this through heart rate variability. So we look at how much is that that variation in heart rate um, or or actually a better better measure is respiratory sinus arrhythmia when we start talking about uh, vagus nerve activity. So let me let me step and just say so with each breath, our heart rate goes up and goes down because of this vagal break. So the heart rate increases during inhalation when the vagus nerve withdraws, and then it decreases during exhalation. And that difference, that peak to trough between the heart rate at the top and at the bottom is what we call respiratory sinus arrhythmia. And so this is a great measure of your vagal tone. So how well is your vagus nerve working And so by practicing these slow breathing exercises, it tends to increase the tone of your vagus nerve. It's basically giving it a workout each time you do it because you're inhaling longer, you're exhaling longer, and you're basically just training your vagus nerve a little bit. And this increases its activity. And then this has all the downstream effects you were referring to, like anti-inflammatory, less oxidative stress and things like that. So for example, for inflammation, a huge thing is vagus nerve stimulation. So sometimes they do it through like something in their ear, I think, or I I don't know all the mechanisms or they do some sort of implant that basically stimulates the vagus nerve. And then this, because it's so calming, it puts your body into this like relaxed 
rest and digest state, it lowers inflammation. And so through breathing, we have a a natural way of doing this. It may not be as potent as something like, you know, an electrical stimulation, but it gives us a natural pathway for increasing activity of the vagus nerve, which is what we call vagal tone, which is then downstream going to have all sorts of positive benefits for inflammation and things like that. Amazing, man. That's, it's fascinating. I I have actually, um, yesterday and the last couple of days and today I was reading, uh, Patrick's book, The Breathing Cure. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I know you, you helped him, you, you helped him with the chapter on diabetes, correct? Yeah. He, uh, he, he actually took some help. Yeah. Let me help out. It was a big honor because obviously he's a mentor of mine. Yeah. He, he, he talks about you, your story there in the, the, the book, uh, which, you know, I'm glad this conversation happened because it just sucked me in again, this, this breathing stuff. You know, there's so many, like when it comes to health, there's so many things to be researching. Like in my case, I love uh, supplements and, you know, how their mechanisms, specific diseases, just so many different things. But um, let me ask you, so you, you've, 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 you've obviously done a ton of research. Uh, does the breathing stuff help both sort of uh, – Type one and type two di- uh, diabetics. Yes, and and it's because there's similar mechanisms between some. So there's definitely differences, but as far as like complications, they're they're very similar. So reduced heart rate variability, hypertension, increased oxidative stress. These are all pretty similar between type one and type two. So the only thing I've seen in the research and just makes intuitive common sense to me is that type two has better results. So they get bigger, dramatic improvements because they still have insulin being produced. They still have some functioning of their pancreas and things like that, whereas type ones don't. And so they're able to modulate their, their blood sugars easier and have less stress overall than type ones. Not that it's easy. I'm not trying to, you know, say type two is easy, but because it's not, but it, it gives them a little bit more benefit from some of the slow breathing practices. And I've seen this in, I've, I know of one, definitely one study that looked at 15 to 30 minutes a day of slow breathing for a year. And they were able to reduce their hemoglobin A1C by 2%, which is massive. Like going from like an 8.6 down to a 6.6% hemoglobin a1c wow. I, I know some different places measure it differently wow. i only know it in percentages yeah and who knows what else like there's always confounding fact maybe doing a little breathing got them to do more supplement it was over a year so you never know what they might have walked more exercised more um to me that's the benefit of breathing is it's just like a, a snowball effect it's like the first yeah. step and then you do other things like so I don't see that as like confounding. I'm like, that's part of the process. You start breathing, then you start noticing your health. You start noticing. So in any case, I'm kind of going on a tangent, but so, but overall it seems to benefit both groups, type one, type two. I've seen one study had uh, type one diabetics who had had diabetes for over 30 years. Now I'm at 24 years now. So that was, and they had them sit down and do the slow breathing practice and they were able to re reverse some of that autonomic dysfunction with heart rate variability, um, baroreflex sensitivity, which we didn't talk about, but that's another measure of it um, with just a few minutes. And they've been type one for 30 years. So it shows that the mechanism of, of restoration, basically activating that parasympathetic nervous system, 
is 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 helpful for is really helpful for any disease, right? But specifically for type one and type two, it kind of does the same thing. Yeah, man, it's, it's so it's such a good point because this is what I like to kind of teach my clients is when your body is a complex system when you have a positive impact like let's say one var- one variable like let's say the breathing or you start drinking uh more water and clean water like you you take one variable it is going to affect the system in a non-linear way at least per- to, to your perception so th- th- that's the beauty of things like this you know like these modalities it, it literally just these it it, it it kind of kick, almost kickstarts the system. You know, now you're breathing better. Now you're sleeping better. Now you're happier. You're less cranky. <laughs> less. You need less stimulants or you need less freaking, you know, downers in the evening. Now your wife is happier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you know, you you know, you. It's just the sky's the limit. You know, but obviously, obviously, if if you ha- use multiple sort of you change multiple inputs into the complex system then you may have even better results so this is what i also like to tell people is always don't just focus on one thing there's a ton of other things you know, i know with diabetes you you've got your your supplements that can help your exercise obviously diet it, it i mean in what like what condition doesn't improve when you you know, add exercise and freaking, you know, improve diet and, you know, add better water and stuff like that. You know? So it's, it's, it's almost like should go without saying, I think. It, yeah. And that's how I feel about the breathing stuff. It's, and you just nailed it. It's like a, it's a whole body intervention, right? It's not just taking one supplement that's one chemical or, you know, one drug that targets one neurotransmitter functioning or something, you know, like there's all these different in- interventions we use, but when you do stuff like breathing or meditation or exercise or sleeping better or sun, more sunlight or whatever it might be, you know, it's like this whole body intervention where it, it has so many effects that it seems it's, I have to be very cautious when I talk about it. Cause it seems, you know, very panacea ish infomercial late night, like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you can just breathe. And, Cause it's not, it doesn't fix everything. Like I'm, I still have tons of issues. <laughs> like it's like, no one's perfect. Right. But it, it gives you this kind of like, just whole body approach and mind to mind body approach is why they call them, you know, mind body therapies. Like it, it kind of, it, it does everything at once. And so for each person, it's going to help them in the way they need the most. Like when you activate that parasympathetic nervous system consistently, that's going to have positive downstream effects on everything. But if you have, you know, a dysfunctional pancreas, that's probably where you'll notice it the most, right? Because it's going to help a little bit functioning there because you're going to stimulate it or whatever it might be. That's just a hypothetical example. But if you're super stressed, you might notice it in the stress and not even care about your heart rate variability. Even though they're both working, all you might notice is that, hey, I'm not as stressed now. And that's good enough. Like, good, great. Even though it's doing the other things, you noticed it for what you needed in your life. So that's where it's super powerful. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And literally, I like, I forgot what I was gonna say next. <laughs> perfect. Oh, perfect. No, it's that's um, it's good. It's good. Though. It's like really awesome information. Um, let's okay. Oh, yeah, here's what I was gonna say. Right. So, so there's I I can't remember where I read or heard this. Right. But uh, when you have a type A, was it type A personality? You know, they're kind of more you know, high achievers, you know, this kind of thing. So depending on the 
person you're dealing with, you want to, like certain folks, they want a very sort of simple uh, instruction. And these kind of more type A people, they actually get bored with simple interventions like even meditation or you know um, emotional freedom technique where you're tapping on meridians so like co- i think that's where I, I i i understood this so coaches with that when working with type a want to give them more instructions and kind of more preamble and set up it's like you know like you're set up for um you know like you do your routine and then okay you get your game face on so and then type b they want a very simple thing right so well uh, can you just like uh, I don't know why why I had to preamble the question with that because you but... know I'm Type A, so you needed to set it up for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. But uh, so like these exercises, at least like, I'm not as well versed with the Oxygen Advantage stuff as the Buteco stuff. But the Buteco exercises are like super simple, right? Uh, can you? Like, just introduce folks, because I know some people might be intimidated that it's going to be too much work to implement this into their routine and blah, blah, blah. They're busy and da, da, da. Can you, like, like introduce what's, what does it look like to be doing these exercises to, to uh, help with your condition or just your general health? Perfect. Yeah. I mean, it is, it can be so simple. Like the, I mean, you could just sit down and focus on your breath. Like you mentioned, like a meditation essentially, and just focus on your breathing in and out. And like you mentioned, that's going to naturally calm down the breath. You know, it's called breath awareness. That's usually the first step in, in any breathing program is just becoming aware of your breath. I won't go too deep into that because it, it gets complicated. Right. But like by focusing on it, most people alter their breathing. Like the minute you you think about it, you focus it, you usually slow down. But the reason that's a cornerstone, so it is a good starting place to sit and just focus on your breathing, is because to to really make this stuff work in your life. Like if you if you're serious about using breathing for something to to improve your life, you have to have mindfulness so that when things happen in the real world you are mindful of them, right? You need, that's the whole point of mindfulness. You, you aren't just reactive. And so starting with mindfulness is a shortcut to that because you're learning that technique so that when you learn more breathing techniques, then when things happen in your life, you're mindful enough to say, oh, this is a perfect time to do my breathing technique rather than exploding and then saying, oh, I should have done my breathing technique. So mindfulness of breathing or breath awareness or whatever you want to call it is the simplest starting point. But for like, if you were like, no, I need something like I want like a breathing practice. It's really simple. Like breathe in for four seconds and then breathe out for six seconds. Use, you can use an app. Um, there's so many apps out there. There's, there's great one. Patrick actually just released a new app for the oxygen advantage and he'll guide you. You'll hear his voice guiding you through that exact exercise. Four seconds in six seconds out. Um, and it's free to everyone. So that's uh, the oxygen advantage. So if you just you know, and that's yeah. on Google play or i so Android or iPhone. Nice. There's, uh, another one called breathe. It's just called breathe for, and that one's on both to iPhone or okay. Android. Okay. And that one's free. And it's super simple. You just set a slider four seconds mm-hmm. in six seconds out. So okay. that would be the, the simplest starting point for anyone. Four seconds in six seconds out, 10 minutes a day would be, you know, the minimum, shoot for 20 minutes. You can do it in one session or two, whatever works for you. 
sprinkle a few minutes here and there throughout your day. That's another way to, to really feel the benefits. And I'll give you like a, a, a simple example for me is I don't always remember. So my mindfulness isn't perfect. But when I switch tasks, like if I'm working on a, reading a paper and then I'm going to switch over to answering emails or something like that, I take like two to four breaths. That's it. Just uh, I do something called the centering breath where I do inhale for six seconds, hold for two, exhale for seven. And I do that for just sometimes I use alternate nostril breathing. It just depends. And just one or two breaths, three or four breaths, like it re it resets you and you're like, ah, oh, okay, I'm switching tasks. Like, let me, let me sit on this one. Um, so that's a way to introduce it into your day. But really just the four seconds in six seconds out is where I would tell people to start 10 minutes, at least one 10 minute session or two 10 minute sessions or even one 20 minute session. So whatever works for you. And then from there, if you're type A and you want to switch it up, there's endless, right? <laughs> so I think of slow breathing like green green veggies, right? Like some people like cauliflower, some like broccoli, some eat kale, some eat collards. Like they're all really good for you. And, and each one has a little slightly different thing that could help you out, right? That could give you a little nutrition or whatever it might be. And so you could do like the four, seven, eight breath by Andrew Weil, or you could do four, four, six, two, or you could do five or six, two, seven. Like I just said, like you could play with the ratios and, you know, have fun with it until you're, uh, yeah, until you're to your heart's desire yeah. and, and, <laughs> and never get bored with it. So there's always that. Um, but it is extremely simple. Like it, it's really hard that's why Wim Hof is so pop popular because his is super intense and yeah, type yeah. A people just run to it. Oh, Whereas yeah. like the slow breathing does a lot of the same things over time, but it's, it's, it's the gradual approach. It's the really boring approach. And, and it's, <laughs> you know, so yeah. So I fight yeah, with that. With Wim Hof stuff, dude, that, that gets you high. Exactly. You yeah. Get it's like, buzzed. yeah, it's like, yeah, it really Whoa. can. Yeah, yeah. you're flooding your body with all these, you know, adrenaline and all this stuff. And yeah. they've even, uh, so there was a study on his brain where they put him in cold, ran cold water over him. In any case, they, they <laughs> hypothesized, they didn't have like the direct evidence, but based on like fMRI scans, I think it was, they said that they think he's, he's activating the endocannabinoid system. Wow. So, and in, 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 then the innate opioid systems. So wow. like, really feeling high on your own supplies as he likes to say so oh, there's there is some people there are scientists who say that i don't think there's direct yeah. proof but it kind of makes sense like you feel great afterward you feel less pain you get in the cold it doesn't hurt as bad you know there's mm. there's different things but um so to, yeah the, the simple approach though just slow breathing uh and then you can make it as complicated as you want you could do alternate nostril breathing things like that they all have their own benefits and then if you want to take it further, you can do the breath holds. Maybe you can give folks a primer on what's that, what's the benefit of the breath holds. Sure. Yeah. So when you hold your breath, you're basically, uh, you're dropping your blood oxygen saturation. That, that's the goal. There, well, there's two goals, but that's one of them. And when you drop your blood oxygen saturation, it's sort of like going to high altitude. You know, people probably know that when you go to high altitude, you start producing more red blood cells. And this has a lot of beneficial adaptations and these populations that live at high altitude tend to live longer and healthier lives in general. I know there's always exceptions, but, and so when you deliberately hold your breath, drop your blood oxygen saturation, it can, it can simulate a few of these benefits. It triggers some adaptations in your body that are beneficial. Like your spleen contracts and releases more red blood cells. It can, 
over time increase. I'll see if I can say it right. Erythropoietin, EPO, you know, the blood doping thing. Erythropoietin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. erythropoietin. And so there's there's some benefits there. It can help with immune function and anti-inflammatory stuff. Mm, interesting. So to, to do it though, it's real, you know, the way Oxygen Advantage does it is after an exhalation. So you inhale through your nose, exhale through your nose, pinch your nose and hold your breath. Yeah. And you use a pulse, pulse oximeter to make sure you don't drop below like 80% blood oxygen saturation to keep it in that therapeutic range. And yeah, you do walking and you can do push-ups or what. There's a lot of different ways Patrick does it, but it's usually just walking breath holds or maybe a light jogging. And you do it, you know, three to five sets um, or even 10 sets of these of these really small, like you're only dropping your blood oxygen saturation for like 10 or 15 seconds or whatever it might be. It's a really, but it's the repeated going down, coming back up, going down, coming back up that leads to these beneficial adaptations. And so if you want to Google some of the benefits, you know, it's called intermittent hypoxia training is mm. one way you can find some of the benefits, some other benefits the, the only issue, right, is that it's a, it's a stressor. So you have to, if you have like cardiovascular problems or if, if, if you're pregnant, things like that, like you don't want to go near these. Um, just focus on the, the simple restoring uh, practices and, you know, work with a coach if you're, if you're interested in breath hold training, um, free diver, you know, there's free diving yeah. coaches, there's breath coaches. They, all, they can all train you safely to make sure like, okay, you're in a good spit state health-wise to partake in these practices. And do do you do online coaching or do you only work like with folks in person? What's your kind of, uh, what, what do you do? So your offerings? right now I don't do any kind of coaching. I'm a nerd. Like I just read and, uh, and, and uh, present information to people. So um, I do have something uh, called the breath is life learning center where I basically re- review books and I review scientific papers and, and translate them into like, simple, actionable things, things like what we've been talking about, like, oh, here's a study. And like, here's how you apply this, like all this jargon. Here's what you do. You take, you take out your phone, you set the app to this and you do this for 10 minutes. And that's how you could actually apply this research in your life today. Um, it's kind of like what I wish I had going into it, like a simplified version of the science and of books, key concepts. Cause like, for example, there's people like, um, Richard Brown and Patricia Gerbarg who, they wrote a book called The Healing Power of the Breath, and it's got all these beautiful ideas and techniques. And so I just, you know, take the best of that and put it in a PDF for people and give them an audio tape, you know, audio track. And so they can practice it if, without having to read the book and do the training. It's like, here's just the simplest things uh, from this book or from Wim Hof's book or from Patrick's books. Um, so if they want to, if they're interested in my work, that's one way to get trained by me is basically I I give you all the stuff I'm researching and so you can nice. do it yourself. But uh in the in the future, I hope to do one on ones. It's just I'm an introvert, and uh, I really like being nerding out on books and reading and sitting in my room by myself and practicing the stuff myself. So, uh, so getting it talking one on one to people, I I don't mind it, but I just I'm an introvert, so I but, avoid it if I can. Yeah, man, I wish I had more time to just sit around and read books undisturbed. Right, God, I wish I had more time, bro. That's my dream, uh, like. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> what uh, just as we kind of uh uh you know wind this down can you just for for uh folks uh, with diabetes listening what other advice would you give now we we covered the breathing stuff i i, I 
what 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 stuff are you doing that you could kind of share with other folks that can also help? Just so aside from the breathing stuff, huh? Yeah, I mean, like if you want to incorporate other stuff related to breathing into the advice, for sure, please go ahead. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, the big one is I, I do my breathing practice every day, um, and that just sets my mental side right. The, the, the one that I can't speak to, but I feel like everyone with diabetes has to look at is food, right? Everyone's different. I hate, I, yeah, it's like it gets becomes religious and stuff when you talk about food and diets and things, but eating, at least eating a lot of vegetables, uh, whether, you know, everything else, it seems like everyone can agree that the more vegetables we eat, the better. So yeah. eat a lot of vegetables if you can, I can't afford organic for everything. So, you know, or I can't afford to go to the farm or don't have time to go to the farmer's market. I try to be pretty reasonable. I go to the grocery store, I buy tons of broccoli and kale and collard greens and whatever I can get my hands on. So, uh, I'm not perfect, but I notice the more vegetables I eat, the better I feel. So that's a big one. Exercise. I do a lot of walking. You mentioned I walked a hundred miles. That was, <laughs> that was really, really, really bad for my health. So In one day, well, it took me, it took me 35 hours straight. You you went 35 hours straight. Yeah, straight. No sleep. Just went. Jeez. Because at the end, once I hit about mile 70, I got through the first 50 miles in 12 hours. And then once I hit about mile 70, I was like dead. And so I would just, I was taking so many breaks. I would stop and sit, go, stop and sit. It was like I couldn't walk more than like a quarter of a mile without taking and a break. Was the backpack the 20-pound pack? full of snacks and stuff no. or was it just like it was a weight fucking... just a weight oh my god but i was, I was by my so i was actually i'm at my house here it was just like i left from my driveway and i walked to this park and walked around it until they closed then i came back to i walked all the way back to my house and i would just walk this loop around my neighborhood essentially and just kept going so i could stop at my house and get food snacks you know use the restroom and things like that so i was it kind of made it harder because I had a crutch here um, and I had yeah. a lot of support, you know, tons of friends and family around me. But it was for raising awareness about breathing and chronic disease, like not just diabetes, like any people dealing with chronic crap in their life, like yeah. breathing just for the reason we've been talking about, like the emotional side, everything. It was like, here's a way for me to kind of I'm kind of crazy. So I was like, oh, this will be a good test. In any case. <laughs> To get, well, I, I went way off, you, but you, you, I can imagine, you know, that, uh, that Homer Simpson one where he's like with the bell, the end is nigh. I can <laughs> yeah. imagine like breathe better, damn it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it was not good for my health. Uh, I oh, still, when, when did you do that? It was in 2020. I was on, it was on leap day. So it was February 29th. So just over three years ago. Wow. So, but, but the, the point I was getting is that exercise, like walking, uh, I find to be really helpful for my blood sugar because people, you know, diabetes is so weird. Like if you go really intense, it will, it might actually raise your blood sugar. Um, yeah. and, and so you have to find this like sweet spot and I find just simple walking, like to be so helpful for keep maintaining baseline insulin sensitivity and things like that. Mm. Um, and then of course sleep and I'm not perfect at this either, but Breathing definitely plays a role here. I use mouth tape still to this day. Oh, yeah. I've been doing that for five years. Yeah, same and, five years okay. here. Awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. Nice. Dude. We're we're in the club for life. The lifers, dude, for life. Like I I I always have at least two or three boxes of 3M mm. microport tape mm. because after the supply chain issues uh, from 2020, 
you know, after that trauma, like, no, I need, if, if things go down, how in the heck I, I cannot like start manufacturing glue and tape. I, how am I going to do this? I don't know. You <laughs> That's know? hilarious. So, like, I like your dedication. Things, yeah. Yeah. I mean, certain things I could do, you know, I could maybe farm or like, you know, hunt or fish, but how am I going to like create a manufacturing facility for glue and micropore tape? It's not gonna there you happen. go. I like, I love that. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> it's the simplest thing for all of breathing. Like yeah. if you, if you don't want to do anything, it's like that, I call it the passive income of health. Cause it's like literally you just put a piece of tape over and go to bed. Like there's no, you don't have to yeah. dedicate any extra time, nothing. Uh, of course you got, there are a few safety concerns or whatever, but like yeah. for the most part, it's pretty safe. Uh, and it can help at least keep your breathing levels slightly you know reduced and keep you breathing through your nose which has all sorts of benefits for seven to nine hours or however long people sleep but but yeah, yeah sleep is a huge one so you know breathing food whatever food you you like uh but good foods and then uh uh exercise and sleep this, the things everyone already knows but you just sure. you know doing it is the important part doing it yeah common knowledge is not always common practice as they say exactly yeah just sorry, I, I want to ask you another thing about that. But um, just about the, the tape, uh, the mouth tape. In my case, when I'm like on my back, my lower lip, it's actually if I don't con like, my my lower my my upper lip is quite short, right? So uh, quite a gap between my lower lip and my upper lip, you know. So for example, my wife, <laughs> dude, back in 2018, she she tried the mouth tape. But it would be eleven o'clock in the morning, and, and I'd be going into the room to check on her. Like, it's like, good evening. Do you want to <laughs> like wake up today? So it worked on her, but it worked like really, really too well. So she doesn't actually use the mouth tape. But in her case, she she doesn't need it because like she's able to keep her mouth closed at night in all positions, seemingly right. So she doesn't seem to need it as much as me. But I I um I saw on Amazon, they have like these, it's like a strap that goes under your chin and above your forehead. It's like a, a quote-unquote anti-snoring chin chin strap, I guess. And that, I, I suppose that keeps your jaw, sort of your lower jaw connected to your upper jaw, which probably would have a similar effect. What, what would you, would you, have you considered those or heard about those or seen those? Yeah, I do remember, and I think even in uh, in the Oxygen Advantage, which which I guess was like eight years ago when Patrick wrote that, but he did mention those the straps mm. where the pushes the yeah. job. I've never tried one just because uh, the tape is so simple to me. Yeah, yeah, but it seems like it would probably do the same thing if someone's really scared about the tape. Yeah, yeah. You know, ultimately the the dream would be to like actually train your body to breathe correctly, so you don't need the tape. You know, that's what people, that's probably what I should be focusing on, like chewing more proper oral posture, all these things that help like shape your face and keep your jaw, you know, strong. And so it'd be easy, but, but it's just so simple to just tape your mouth. So that's yeah. what I do. But, um, ultimately we probably should be like training our bodies to not need it. But, um, sure. if you need something that there's the chin, there's also these things called mandibular advancement devices. I think they're called okay. and they push your lower jaw forward a little bit, which is supposed to kind of keep the tongue against the roof of the mouth and prevent snoring and sleep mm -hmm. apneas. I tried one and, and I probably tried the wrong brand or something and it was way too uncomfortable, but mm -hmm. I have heard 
I, you read the testimonials and it sounds just like mouth tape. Like it's uh, the and- best sleep I've ever gotten and all this <laughs> What's stuff. What's it called again? Uh, a mandibular advancement device. M-A-D. Can you get it from Amazon? Yeah, you can get them on Amazon. See, I bought one on Amazon that was like just a one, like I just picked one and bought it. But there's ones that you put in boiling water and then mold it to your mouth. And that's what I probably should have done because the one I bought was just, it hurt my teeth way too bad. And you obviously you just uh, wear it uh, when you sleep, right? Yeah, just when you sleep, yeah. Interesting. I'll look into it because I... I do snore on my back, so that's probably like some type of, it could be structure. You know how it is. There's so many different, like we, I had uh, braces when I was like a teenager. Yeah. So that, that that caused a lot of my issues um, with like my jaw not able to close like perfectly and align perfect. Dude, it's everybody's got problems. Of but course. what what I will definitely attest to, as I'm sure you will, is for two bucks or whatever, like one a uh, five meter row of uh, 3M micro port tape, an inch in width, 2.5 centimeters. You tear a little bit of it off before bed. You put it across your lips and you seal your lips together. Once you once you try that, I think most people will be like, what? Wow. Like, wow. You know, simply, wow. Like, I I think one of the cheapest, easiest hacks that one can invest in, you know, by far, yeah, the number yeah. one. I mean, it's it's a weird one, and people thinks it sounds funny, but you know, there's luckily, you know, there's actually there's a study on mouth taping, so that gives it a little bit of credence now. And then mm. there's tons of companies on Amazon. So if you don't, if you feel weird putting like micropore tape, I don't. I, that's what I use. But but there's so many companies. There's Somnifix. There's Simply Breathe. Uh, Oh, I just drift. Uh, there's so many. I, I, you yeah. know, I can't keep track of them all. But mm-hmm. if yeah, people can find whatever whatever they need online yeah. and and feel a little safer if if they feel like kind of scared, knowing like these brands are designed for sleep. Like they've gotten funding, they've gotten the clearance, they've sell, sold on Amazon. So like you know, it's legitimate to to some extent, I guess. Um, yeah. So there's there's other options, but I use the Micropore. I actually do the vertical now. So I used to okay. be horizontal. But now mm-hmm. I just do like a little strip here and I probably still mouth breathe a little bit, but I, I like kind of that my jaw can still move if it needs to. Um, so there's there's different approaches. Uh, <laughs> and I, I would definitely suggest Mark Burhenny. People Google Mark Burhenny. That's B-U-R-H-E-N-N-E. He's a dentist, a doctor, and he has a incredible stuff on mouth tape, like safely, how to do it effectively, all the benefits. And it, yeah, I would definitely suggest looking him at to make sure you do it right and don't have any contraindications. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I would try to find him as well. Um, I, I would do it vertically because I would be saving tape, but I would probably just drew like sometimes like the tape dislodges and I just like wake up with like a, a bit of dro- a pool of drool, let's say. Um, but what I do now is I, I actually put one on the ma- on the two lips and then just another smaller piece on top and the bottom just to kind of really stick it together uh because i just i I mean i have a lot of the tape so i guess i'm wasting it but (laughs) i just want to make sure that the seal because nothing worse than the seal kind of because it got wet at night it's kind of getting dislodged and you're like looking for tape you wake up and you can't fall asleep all these things so i just like boom 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 stick it on there it's like harder part is if like you're trying to sometimes you guys 
oh my god, we, how long are, how long are we gonna continue talking about taping your mouth? I, like, this is, I mean, it's such an easy tool. I mean, I don't. It's so, dude. Like when people people just listening, please just try it. It is a game changer. I cannot like Patrick. I I believe when I got his book uh, Oxygen Advantage back in 2018, that I I went the same day. I went to the like a little pharmacy where we were living, and that's when I like I think the the next day I I was this oh this was in Portugal and literally the next day I went and signed up for his Buteco practitioner training course. Oh, that's really? how that's how good I felt the next day after sleeping with the tape. Very very similar here, almost identical. Yeah, yeah. So I I did uh, I heard him on a podcast and that night just I was like out driving I was like I'm just gonna pull in Walgreens and grab some paper tape you know whatever yeah. and then the next day I was like oh my god this is insane <laughs> but again yeah. like I was a heavy mouth breather so yeah. like my wife doesn't notice as big of a difference from doing it and I've, I've heard from people say I didn't really notice it and I'm like well you must have been a nasal breather you know yeah. uh, or who knows there's all there's always something right so sure. no, nothing's a one-size-fits-all but for a majority of people it can be life-changing like Absolutely. Like you said, like I'm signing up for a course. I need to understand this. What the heck yeah. is going on? Exactly. God bless that guy, man. Yeah, for real. Just uh, to to wrap, just to uh, go back a, a quick a few minutes ago, I, I I asked you, I forgot to I wanted to ask you, what about any uh, dietary supplements? Do you take supplements yourself? Are you a fan or not? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I take I take alpha lipoic acid. Uh, and again, I don't know too much of the science. I've just read on every diabetes website. That's a good one. Mm. I take L-theanine in the morning with my coffee just to kind of, I love coffee. Like I yeah. can't give up coffee. So I use that just to kind of taper the, the, up, you know, the, the crazy sympathetic overdrive. Yeah. I do take ginkgo biloba sometimes mm -hmm. just for mental or whatever. And then sure. I I cycle with other stuff. So I, it's not like it's considered like a, a multivitamin just to like get a ton of B12 and some other things I don't probably get in my diet. Yeah. yeah. A probiotic every now and then, um, but not, not as consistently. So I've, I've been trying to take a multivitamin more just like, I don't know, maybe it's not the right approach. I don't know, but <laughs> I don't research. It's funny how I am because like I research so deeply into some topics and others I just like Google like, just tell me what to do. I don't feel like re I've had enough reading like, and so, uh, with, with multivitamins and stuff, I just kind of like cycle them in and out just to, just yeah, to yeah. get some more things in my body. But I should probably ask you since you seem to be really <laughs> into that stuff. Bro, I take everything, man. Like, all those things you listed, I, t I, I took them all today. Like ginkgo, uh, L-theanine with my coffee, alpha lipoic acid on an empty stomach yeah. with trimethylglycine because recently i read that alpha lipoic acid can deplete methyl groups so i have trimethylglycine so i take that with that i also take trimethylglycine because i have the i'm homozygous for the mthfr uh polymorphism so that that just kind of has to do with methylfolate uh, metabolism and stuff like that but yeah look i that's i'm telling you if you there's another rabbit hole you could if you if you understand research bro bruce ames is your guy to look into all right bruce I'll google ames. It. yeah i mean i i uh i try to just eat well and i know that's not enough with today's like 
our soils messed up yeah. and the nutrients. It's like, I understand all that. It's just like, I feel like there's so many battles to fight. And I just, if I, if I start getting into anything, I get so upset and just like, it's just yeah. so many rabbit holes, you know? And so I just, I'm like, okay, in certain areas of my life, I just have to accept like good enough. Like, okay, yeah. I eat vegetables. I, you know, I eat f- fish and th- you know, like, I mean, and there's problems with that too. And so there's just all these issues and it's like, yeah, so I just have to say good is enough. But yeah, Absolutely right. I appreciate no. Bruce Ames. I'm writing it down if I could find my pen. Yeah, he – the thing the, – the, so yesterday, when I, as I mentioned earlier, yesterday I was reading the chapter on diabetes in my, my um, awesome book, the textbook of natural medicine. So uh, this is a quote I just pulled out of there. So one of the hallmark features of type 2 diabetes mellitus is the presence of higher levels of free radicals and pro-oxidants, particularly an increased production of reactive oxygen and uh, nitrogen species, mm-hmm. so ROS and RNS. So these compounds are also activated by high blood glucose and elevated levels of saturated fat. They're produced in the abdominal fat cells of individuals who are overweight or obese. So they are, as you, you know, for sure, but just for the listeners. So these compounds greatly stress antioxidant mechanisms. They directly oxidize and damage cellular components, DNA proteins, and cell membranes. So they inflict damage on these structures. They induce damage on to tissues by activating several inflammatory compounds. So NF-kappa-B. So that can lead to insulin resistance and impaired insulin secretion, right? So we we already kind of went over the mechanisms of um, you know breathing better, active uh, vagal nerve sort of uh, activation and so on. These these things are obviously going to have a positive effect for inflammation. But I just wanted to throw out there a few supplements that folks can look into is N-acetylcysteine. That's just a really good, um, it's a, it's an antioxidant in itself. It's a neutralizer of toxins. And it's also, um, what is it? It's a part of the glutathione molecule, right? So glutathione is quote unquote, the master antioxidant of the cell. Now, what I, from what I understand, there is a lot of glutathione in lung tissue. And from reading the chapter on di- of diabetes in um, Patrick's book that obviously you helped with, so you may have come across this research, is <clears throat> there's a lot of this disorders like COPD, you know, um, chronic uh, obstructive pulmonary disorder, asthma. So I think I've seen research in asthma where there's lower glutathione. So if you can boost glutathione production, you're you're helping your immune system your immune system as well because glutathione is also used to neutralize sort of um uh, uh heavy metals and chemicals of course mm. but also toxins as part of sort of uh antibody responses to m- microbial threats stuff like that so i think uh, alpha lipoic acid you already mentioned nac and yeah man like you, you, multivitamin has to I think nowadays has to just go without saying for anybody. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter your state of health. If you want to continue to be healthy, you need to to make sure you get those minerals and vitamins, especially the minerals. Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, there's so many out there finding the right ones. Yeah. So just. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck, people. Good luck. (laughs) 
I, I will, you know, I really want to do a, a video course on supplementation. But to be honest with you, after the last three years, the supply chain issues, some of my supplements have almost tripled in price. Many have doubled that I take. So I've actually curtailed my supplement intake because prices. So I've probably, I probably like figure out how to do like supplementation on a budget, how to get your if you need a specific mineral or vitamin or nutrient, how to get, get it from food, I think, or how to do like, what you call it, like a gut pathogen protocols on a budget. So like with garlic, honey, things like just natural mm -hmm. products, you know, so, mm -hmm. so you're adding real nutrition instead of synthesized. Um, of course. Yeah. Stuff. That's always the best approach, right? To let nature yeah. take care of it. But yeah. Back, but back in the hard. day, like, yeah, back in the day, like a carrot, the amount of nutrition you could get out of a carrot is it could be like it literally could be like a dozen times more nutrition a hundred years ago you know a hundred times crazy all right uh nick i have a couple more questions for you bro so uh i have a solution stock segment so we always end the episodes on a positive note because sometimes we, we don't necessarily talk about the the most joyous topics of course. So the, for the solutions talk uh, segment is the question to you is what are you doing that others can also do to increase their freedom, self-reliance and or resilience to the challenges that we face this decade and beyond? It, take control of your breathing, right? That is it, it for sure. I mean, just practice breathing. Uh, there's, you know, we mentioned, I mentioned like it actually does, it changes your heart, heart rate variability, which changes your resilience, like your ability to bounce back from stressors. It's not that stressors go away. It's that you can cope with them better and, and, uh, you know, bounce back faster and, and not get as thrown off track. So there's also, you know, a big spiritual component to breathing, like, uh, to, to understanding that breath is life. Like without the breath, there's nothing else. So not religion, right? Spirit, like, we are here. We're alive. We're so fortunate to be here. And just how literally amazing that is. Like I, I start each breathing practice by like re, re saying in my head, this thing I, I heard in this book that like, it's, it's essentially like how amazing that I have an abundance of the most valuable resource to humans on the planet. I have it right here. I, all I have to do is barely breathe at all. And I get an oxygen. I get the it's there. So like we have infinite gratitude and I do like just like four or five breaths like that at the very beginning of my practice, just going through my head, like, wow, this breath is mine. Like I don't even barely have to try and I'm getting the most, you can go forever without food and water, not forever, but you know, you can go a lot longer without food. You can yeah. go a lot longer without water. You, you know, money, all these different things. It's like, but breathing it's right here all the time and how lucky we are. So, uh, you can use that as a source of gratitude and, uh, and that can, make you feel just, you know, a more sense of awe and gratitude for the world when you step outside and that can make you feel a little more spiritual or whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be, but uh, I don't want to yeah. sound too woo woo there, but it just gives <laughs> you a, a higher, you know, you just feel better. You feel good. And, um, and so that's something that's evolved for me over time as a nerdy scientist, like just being so like grateful for thing, little things. Um, and so I would say do your breathing practice, focus on your breath and show some gratitude for your breath and that'll be help you for the rest of your life that's amazing bro thank you that that is it's it's nice to kind of see because we know we we, we know like a lot of folks that are deep into science they are 
become sort of ma- not married to, but they're attracted to the more mechanistic model of the world and whatnot. And that takes a lot of the 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 awe, like you said, and the the beauty and the the mystery of of the world and life and nature. So and the human body. So that's awesome to, to hear it's that like, from you. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, it's like that's how I started, right? It, it's like if you. I became so obsessed with breathing. Like I, I read it every day. I study it and I practice it. And it's like, you can't help but like, as you peel back the layers, like you become obsessed with one thing enough. And it turns out because breathing literally is life, like it literally is the most important thing we do. It makes it easy to kind of develop a sense of awe. And, yeah. you know, the, and it's interesting now because luck, I mean, luckily science is now showing us like things like, like uh, there's a, a brilliant scientist, uh, Lisa Miller, who wrote a book, The Awakened Brain. And, you know, she talks about this. It's like, she's a scientist, you know, PhD, all this stuff. Like, it's like, she doesn't say like, oh, we need to be religious and we need to f- worship God. It's like, no, just this idea of spirituality has been shown now in countless studies. It's like scientifically proven that it in- improves your longevity. It makes you happier. And all these, so it's just like things we've known for for millennia as a culture that like having community and a sense of purpose in life and things like that, that all relate back to kind of whatever you want to call it, spirit, purpose, you know, life force or whatever it might be is beneficial. And so to me, breathing was that gateway. And that's simply just because I study it so much, I couldn't help but get to that point, I think. So anyways, I'll, I'll yeah. quit rambling. That, no, no, it's awesome. <laughs> no, no, that's beautifully said. Uh, it reminds me, of a quote that I'm going to butcher from a person I will not remember and it's going to be very embarrassing but it was something like was it um, who was was it Fritjof Capra you know the guy that wrote the Tao of Physics Hmm. but I can't remember I have one of his books here that I've not even read yet but it's like if you study like if you go I forgot who it was, dude. Could have been Newton or something. But if you if you go deep enough down the scientific path, it will eventually lead you to God. You know, whatever God. Could have been Richard Feynman. He's a Maybe. big. Ah, yes. He's a him. he's a big fan of like, because he, he was one of the you know first scientists that like realized that like it could help you experience more beauty by understanding it. Like he he made those connect like watching a flower. You know. understanding all the crazy things going on at the, you know, sub micron level or whatever. I don't understand all that, but, um, but it was, yeah, it was an interesting perspective. So I definitely, there is like some quote. Yeah. I can't remember. So I won't even try, but similar, like, you know, most scientists start out, the more you study, the closer you end up to God, like, (laughs) because you know, whatever it might be. So uh, in any case, to me, just the breath, thinking of it as like your spirit or your life force or whatever it might be. Uh, it doesn't have to be too intense or anything. It just gives you a little bit of like gratitude. It's really gratitude. I think it's like just an mm-hmm. awe of like, wow, I have this infinite resource right here all the time. And, uh, and that's great. And that sets yeah. you up for a better day. Beautiful said, man. All right. Tell the folks where they can find you on the internet, how they can connect with you and all that good stuff. please. Sweet. Yeah. I'm on Instagram, the breathing diabetic at the breathing diabetic. Uh, then I have my website, thebreathingdiabetic.com. And then I have my my email is nick at the breathing diabetic. So they can email me. 
Instagram DM me or whatever. And then I have my newsletter, which is free. And I think it's a really fun resource for breath learning. Then I also have uh, my, my breathing for diabetes course and my breath is life learning center. So lots of ways uh, if you want to learn more or support anything like that, there's tons of ways. Awesome, bro. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us today. It's just been really fun talking about, I love this topic and yeah, we'll have all those links in the episode description and thank you again for your time, bro. Awesome. Thank you, man.